This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 838, Spotlight on Wonder Woman 1984. Welcome to the Comic Shadigans Podcast. This is episode 838. Uh, this is the Spotlight on Wonder Woman 1984 episode. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, and I'm joined virtually by my guest host for today. Introduce yourself. Uh, Tibor Mate. So it's been a long time since you've been on the show. <laughs> it has, yeah. It was, uh, 2020 uh, didn't allow for much uh, comic shenanigans. No, it's funny. Like I, I, With my neighbors who are also sometimes on the show, they're like, when are we going to do podcasts again? I'm like, I'm still doing them. They're just, you know, we don't have movies to talk about. So finally we have an actual, honest to goodness, big market, you know, release to talk about. Yeah, comic movie. So it, it's interesting. So like with all that, you know, pent up feeling of not having a, a true comic book movie for a while, and now we finally get one. Do, do you think Wonder Woman eighty four was the movie we needed, or is this the movie we deserved? Well, honestly, my first impression was it was pretty forgettable. Like it's uh, after I watched it, I was like, I kind of want to watch it again because it just kind of felt like a jumble and a bit of a mess. Hmm. Um, it's definitely when, like, I mean, we, we did discuss a little bit off podcast that brought us, brought us to the podcast. Um, but yeah, when you start looking to, into it a little in depth, there are some serious issues with this movie. I have a dumb question for you. When you watched the movie, uh, did you watch it all at once or was it broken up at all? No, I watched it in one shot. Okay. I found it was hard for me to sit still to watch it because I felt very restless. And so I was, I was saying to my brother-in-law, Paul, who, you know, had said he, he that he didn't think it was a, a, a steaming pile of garbage, but he also was kind of bored by it. And he watched it all at once. And I, I realized that part of it for me, I wondered how I would feel if I was in a movie theater, if being as part of the, you know, kind of opening night communal experience, sitting in a theater, having the big screen, you know, kind of, you know, being a captive audience, so to speak, I wonder if I would have felt differently or taken to the movie differently. Um, as it was, it felt like it was hard to kind of make myself kind of pay attention because it did move slow. It kind of had a weird sense of pacing and I just felt bored. And because I'm at home, I felt like it was easier to just kind of stop it and come back to it shortly, you know, in a little bit, as opposed to watching it all at once. And I'm wondering how that, you know, how that would have changed in a movie theater. Did you, did you think that maybe if you'd watched it in a theater, if we'd been there opening day, you would have felt differently, or do you think it felt the same? Uh, well, watching it in one shot, I guess, I don't think it really made a difference to me that much. Okay. But um, I definitely wanted to watch it again, just because, like, you're right, the pacing is kind of weird at times. But, uh, and I had the same impression of it when I first, like, finished it. I was like... I want to watch that again. I don't think it was great. It wasn't horrible. But um, but I just wanted to watch it again, and then I didn't end up watching it again. But uh, just to see if, like, if the pacing did feel as off as it did the first time, you know? Because sometimes you watch a film, and then, like, you, you feel like the pacing is not great, and then you watch it again, and you can kind of, because you already know the scenes that you're looking for, it mm-hmm. sort of feels better overall. But uh, I didn't end up watching it again, so I still have that sort of jumbled feeling about it, like, on the pacing specifically. 
What's interesting, actually, a quick interjection. I just checked to see when the last time you were on the show was. So apparently that was 102 episodes ago when we were talking about the rise of Skywalker, of all things. <laughs> nice. Yeah, one crappy Christmas movie to another. <laughs> <laughs> so it, which is, it, it's interesting. So, like, I mean, obviously... Here's a question, and this is just a kind of a philosophical one about movies. Would you rather a movie piss you off, but at least you feel like it did something to you, like it, you know, it made you, it, it somehow interacted with you and it, it caused a reaction, or would you rather a movie just kind of be kind of meh? Like, you know, I feel like we both kind of feel that Wonder Woman eighty four is a little bit in that category where it's kind of, you know, it almost brings up a sense of apathy, kind of like, okay, it was there, it was all right, it was, it wasn't like offensive, but it was just kind of there. Would you rather feel like at least got something out of you emotionally and made you care, or would you rather have kind of an apathetic experience where it's kind of you know, middle of the road, I guess that was okay. No, I'll be honest. Like, if it gets an, a negative reaction from me, I want that to be the intent of the film. Right? Like, with the, like, not, with the, so like Jessica Jones, for example, with the, the, you know, David Tennant's a real piece of shit in that, you know, in that, in that series, right? In the first season. But, um, and, like, he gets a visceral reaction from me because he's such a piece of shit. But that's what I want. I want to, I want to feel the emotions that are meant to be conveyed properly. Okay. So, like, Referencing Skywalker quickly, with a, you know, like when Kylo Ren dies and half the theater's laughing, then you fu- you fucked up, mm. right? As, as a director and as, as a you know as a film, you fucked up that moment. Like that's not what people are supposed to feel. They're supposed to feel for him dying, mm. and meanwhile they're laughing, right? So I, I want the appropriate emotion conveyed, you know, from the film. So and the- if it's meh, it's meh, right? Then it doesn't really do anything. It just kind of sits in the ether, and I'm like, okay, forgot it. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I feel like when it comes to art, I feel like, you know, apathy is is the true enemy. Like it's, I mean, at least a, a bad piece of art can be still be appreciated in some way. Um, but if it really, you know, again, if it, I feel like I like to feel motivated by the movie. If it made decisions I really didn't like, at least... I don't know. At least I cared enough to be upset about those 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 changes or those decisions. But if I just kind of feel like very blasé about it, and I feel like I haven't something has has there's been a disconnect that they haven't even been able to really connect with me as a viewer, and that's kind of how I felt here. Where again, I, I like Gal Gadot. I like the character Wonder Woman. Like I like the pieces. I like Chris Pine. I think you know he's basically playing Captain America here, right? Like a man at a time who's kicking ass. Like you know the. I like these pieces, but so why didn't it work? What, you know, they, they put the, they put it all in the oven and something about when it was in the oven, it just didn't rise properly. Yeah. Well, I mean, like a lot of movies end up like that. And I guess in a way, right. Especially blockbuster movies. Like how, I don't know how many writers were on this. I don't even know. There's only two credited, I think. Yeah. Two credited. So sometimes these movies by committee too are kind of, you know, that's, that's what happens, but it's hard to say, right? Like it's like, why does one movie fail over another? There's lots of factors, right? So it's, it's tough to say. But, like, going back to the previous question about, like, you know, movies eliciting uh, certain emotions, it's like there is something to say for watching old shitty B-movies or something and just, like, clearly they're not good movies, but there's something fun about it, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's a different kind of sort of factor, right? Very true. So this movie, it was interesting. Um, I saw a meme somewhere, and it was like, pick the, uh, pick the Pedro Pascal as a dad that you like the most. <laughs> So it's like the Mando yeah. and Ma- Maxwell Lord. Like, he just plays a lot of shitty dads. Well, in Mando, he's a pretty well, good dad. Not a shitty dad, sorry. The they, child. Yeah. Or Grogu, and, you know, he takes him into, like, some shitty situations. But, yeah. It's yeah, sorry. I wasn't trying to say he was a shitty dad. He was a pretty good father figure for what he could do. Yeah. Well, who said? I think uh, 
Grogu is his, uh, his best uh, child. I did feel weird about this film that they, they introduced this child and they only really used him a couple times. And so it just felt like we didn't really care about this child. Like he's there and then he's gone. And I wasn't even sure how Max really felt because he's like angry. Like, you know, he's nice to him when his kid shows up, but then he's super pissed at him when, you know, he's like, oh, my kid's here. I got all this other stuff I got to do. And I was like, I'm not sure how I'm really supposed to feel about him as a father. And so I, I wasn't sure if the big emotional payoff there for me really worked. Yeah, no, I agree with that, too. Yeah, it did. It, it felt awkward. Like, his introduction was awkward. Like, it, it was it was a weird element that they put in there that, like, didn't feel like it fit in a lot of ways. And then, yeah, it's supposed to be the big, like, ending, sort of, right? So it, it's, it is weird. Like, if you're going to, if you, if, if I, I, one thing I do appreciate is that, you know, the big climactic ending is about the power of words. And, you know, it's not about, she didn't battle the punch something to death in terms of how she was able to end up, you know, saving the day. And in fact, I like one thing I do like as a running theme throughout the film is that the idea that, you know, she's protecting bystanders, which is something that has not been prevalent in the DCEU thus far, because usually, you know, you have Superman punching Zod through buildings, not being very careful about where he's, you know, doing stuff. And now you're actually seeing Diana going out of her way to protect people, which I did appreciate very much. And so I, I really appreciated that because I feel like a lot of times with these types of big, you know, uh, superhero blockbusters, you do sometimes have more collateral damage. Yeah, well, it seems to be a problem in the DC universe more than Marvel, right? Because, like, other Marvel stuff we have seen, guys, like, always Spider-Man goes out of his way to protect people, right? Like, mm-hmm. Like it feels like Marvel does a better job of that than uh, than DC has, especially in the current like DC universe, right? Yeah, which is crazy because like that's basically Superman's mo. Like should be that he is the ultimate protector, and it, we've never we're not really getting that from our more modern Superman. Yeah, well, like all like even like Batman, the criticism was that he's killing people, right? And that's yeah. always been a Batman thing is that he doesn't kill people, right? Like a Daredevil thing, right? For sure. So yeah, it's, it is a bit weird. It's interesting. It's like what I, it's when the movie started and we have the kind of sequence back on Themyscira. I really liked that. Like I thought that was a nice way to start it. I really liked seeing the young Diana. I liked the kind of the the lesson there. I liked the kind of um, it, it almost felt like American Ninja Warrior style, like kind of different things that people were doing. And uh, I really liked the opening sequence. I wish it kind of had more of a payoff from that because um, I don't think it really did. Um, but I did appreciate. You know, going back to Themyscira, and it just looked nice, and I like seeing Connie Nilsson and Robin Wright, and I just like those characters, and I'm glad that they were able to use them here in some capacity. Yeah, well, I think that was the idea. Was I think most people really enjoyed those characters, so it was a way to bring them back, and it didn't feel, like, forced necessarily. Like, it actually felt like a smart way to start the film. But like you said, though, there is no payoff really for it. It's just a sort of, you know, fan service in a way. But it was, it was well-done fan service, you know, like I would say. Yeah, I mean, and it, it, I mean, they made it look lush and like wonderful, and like you know, it, it felt very, you know, grand. And again, like it, it's supposed to be Paradise Island, so it really did feel like it was living up to that uh, that moniker. Yeah, and the other film starts that way too, right? It starts with her training and stuff, so it feels like a natural point to sort of start it off, I guess. Now, how do they they weave into? I mean, there's a lot of things that they kind of weave in. Um, the the idea that the, a legendary Amazon warrior, Asteria, who had this you know this this big suit of armor. How do you feel about them kind of weaving in this thing we've never heard of before and adding in this armor? Because I, I felt like 
I didn't know if I saw the point of it because the armor doesn't really end up playing that big of a role against Cheetah, so I wasn't really sure why they even bothered. And even in the timeline of the movie, she takes the time to go get the armor? Yeah, that was the one thing that I um, that came to mind was when she, like it's like oh so what when did she have time to like dip over to her apartment and pick it up or wherever it was right yeah. that, that I thought was a little weird too yeah and it is weird like I guess obviously fans of the Wonder Woman is that is part of the comics I assume yeah that armor is uh, originally in the comics it's a comic called Kingdom Come which is from I believe 1995 it's very famous. Uh, it was a, it was a painted comic, and it's all about this kind of future of the DC universe where it had gotten really dark, um, and all like the new heroes and villains were really kind of a mess. And Superman had gone away for many years because uh, basically Joker had killed uh, Lois and Jimmy and a lot of people at the Daily Planet, and he refused to you know kill him. He wanted to bring him in for like a trial, and this other kind of new style hero you know, rough and edgy, uh, killed the Joker and basically public sentiment went against Superman thinking that, you know, he was too soft. So he basically retreated from the world, took off. And, uh, when he's finally kind of, his eyes gets open to the fact that the world is much darker and it needs a beacon of light. Superman comes back. And in that Wonder Woman, uh, ends up donning the armor near the end of that story, uh, to go up against a lot of supervillains. So it does mean something to comic book fans. I just, that's why it felt weird to see it here where it didn't feel like it really meant much, didn't feel like it had a purpose, and it felt like it was discarded pretty quickly as well. Yeah, I mean, like, it's funny because Marvel, like, you know, ends up having these hordes of villains a lot of times, right? Like, you know, faceless villains. But, and it, that feels that, like it could have worked in something like that more. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like here, like you say, it doesn't really seem to have much of a point. Like, she doesn't, does she really need it? Like, she's not, like, fighting something, like, super crazy. Right, like the, the cheetah didn't seem all that uh, all that tough. So no, yeah, it was, it was yeah. weird, and it just it just, it just it just seemed kind of fit, like forced in a little, just to give her something different, I guess. But, but it didn't. I didn't think it was horrible, but I definitely did think about like what she had the time to go pick that up. <laughs> it was a, it was a little it was a little awkward. And like, here's a question, and maybe this is a dumb one, um, and maybe I missed something. How did cheetah get two wishes? Right, yeah, I thought about that too, actually. I was wondering what the deal was there. With the, 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 the sort of magic around the stone and the, 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 the sort of never really... Like, even why was he able to wish to be the wish stone, right, or whatever? Like, it was weird. Like, they never really gave rules, proper rules to that. Like, there was no internal logic on it. No, and, I mean, and I guess maybe, like, you can get a wish from the stone and then only... And then once he became the stone, it was like a if reset the wish meter... Well, I mean, even in Aladdin, like, the genie specifically says, you get three wishes, and only three wishes, you can't wish for more wishes. Like, yeah. So, the, the Aladdin movie had more internal logic. True. But it's interesting, too, because, like, once he becomes the wishing stone, like, other people have to make the wishes for him. Like, it felt very kind of a weird, backwards way of, of getting it. And even just the way he even found you know this the the stone felt very bizarre. Like, it happened to be at this, like, random art, uh, antiques place. <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. Well, the whole thing was, like, that's, it, a lot of it was clunky. Like, there was a lot of clunky, like, things leading to other things, you know? Like, there was just a lot of that like, throughout the whole film. Mm-hmm. That's why I wanted to watch it a second time, just to see if it did flow better than I remembered it the, through the first time. I guess, I mean, part of it, in, in a lot of ways, there's no true villain, you know? Because, like, which I guess makes it a weird movie to structure. Like, Maxwell Lord ends up be, kind of being the face of villainy, but really... It's almost like, have you watched the movie Shazam? Yeah, yeah. 
All right. So I, we might have even seen it together. I don't remember. Um, but in Shazam, the, the whole idea was that, the, you know, there's uh, this, the deadly sins. And I felt like we were just kind of seeing the deadly sins versus Diana. Because, you know, for Maxwell Lord, it was greed. And for um, uh, Cheetah, it was, it was really just, you know, not really pride, but wanting to be like someone else. Uh, and re- uh, envy, sorry. Um, so she's fighting against envy and she's fighting against uh, greed. And but th- that's kind of the movie. Like it's not because those people aren't necessarily bad people, uh, and they go kind of out of their way for them both to have some sort of redemption, redemption, or at least at the end that they're not you know out there plotting to kill anybody. They're you know kind of rehabilitated. So isn't that kind of make it a weird structure? <laughs> For sure, and maybe that's part of why it's, you know, if, we, if you watch it again, I guess it says maybe that you can see why it, like, it didn't work in some ways, right? Like, it is, it is weird. It's, there's definitely, like, I was trying to kind of, like, at the end of it, I was like, what, like, what was the point? Like, you know, I was trying to figure out, like, what was the, like, you know, sort of message of the film, right? Like, yeah. it is weird. Like, what is the message? Well, and it also felt like it was kind of the second half of her origin story, because, like, she, you know, she hadn't flown yet, so they had to kind of give her flight, and they had to figure out a, a, a weird kind of way for her to finally fly, um, which was, again, kind of strange and weird that that's how they they did it, but okay, whatever. Um, but yeah, it felt like the second half of her origin story. Uh, but it does bring up the question of, you know, how do you have these movies that take place in the past, and then why isn't she just an out-out superhero at some point? <laughs> Right, yeah, no, I, I hear you. I thought about that, too. I was wondering, like, is it, is it, like I, I, I knew that Wonder Woman couldn't, like, fly specifically, like, as a power. Like, it, it's sort of like Thor's flight, right? Well, she can fly in the comics. Right? Oh, she can full on fly in the comics? I didn't think, I thought it was like like Thor. Like, she had a way of flying, but it wasn't, like, her, her power. Of her. I mean, back in the day, there was a time when she couldn't, and she had, like, an invisible jet. And again, the movie had kind of a weird way of her yeah, doing I, that. Well, I mean, like, it was kind of a, a good nod in a way. I thought it was kind of funny. Like, I mean, yeah, like, everybody knows about the invisible jet, so it was kind of a nice way to put it in there. But, like, but giving her, like, a weird, wonky power that she can, like, just concentrate and make things invisible? Like, it, again, it's just, like, I I appreciate the nod, but what does it really do? Yeah, it doesn't really affect the story. Like, why did it, I guess it was just so that you could get that scene of them flying through the fireworks with nobody seeing them. <laughs> I guess, you know, and and even then, like, I, I, I appreciate the idea that Steve Trevor just needed to, like, fly. And that's, you know, a kind of a cool beat for him. But again, like, you know, wasn't there a better way that they that maybe Diana could have done this? Yeah, no, it was, it was weird. And also, the, I was thinking to myself, like, I haven't looked it up, but I was like, I want to look this up. Like, what, what type of fighter was that? And would it have the ability to fly, you know, and how fast? Hmm. Right, like, could it, get, could it get to the Middle East and, and you know? With the, on, on the fuel and why like you know if it's at the Smithsonian too why is it fueled up and ready to go lots like, of questions it's a museum <laughs> so yeah there's some internal logic problems for sure and like he's also a World War One fighter pilot. Like, how easily do you think he can just drive? You know, pilot a you know a much more complicated machine. Like someone who could you know drive one of the Model Ts back when cars were introduced may not be able to be comfortable in a you know 80s or 90s car. You know, it's just that's a big jump. Yeah, for sure. I thought about that too because like a jet engine is not propellers, right? So it's, you know, like sure the basics are there. I'm sure that are similar, but I'm sure there's a lot of differences too with the how it flies. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, a little bit... What do you think of, 
cheetah in general like i mean again they never call her the cheetah because that's what most movies do these days they never call their villains by their actual monikers but like how did you feel about Kristen wiggs you know portrayal i thought her performance overall was pretty good like it's a i didn't didn't really have any problems with her performance the the costume was a little weird but um i mean it's tough like wonder woman's a weird character in a lot of ways too like you know outside of a comic book setting right like yeah I mean, I think that's always been a criticism of the DC heroes is that they're, you know, they're more godlike and they're, you know, they're harder to relate to in that sense. Um, so, so, yeah, it's like, I, I thought overall her performance was good, but yeah, when she turned, like, it was a little weird. It's interesting that, you know, again, to that idea, um, because there's this kind of this thought process that, oh, that it's hard to write for DC characters because they're so powerful. Of course, Diana has to lose her powers here. Right, yeah, which I thought, again, yeah, it was kind of funny too, yeah, like, because that's the only way she can be vulnerable, right? Like, yeah, in a phys- in a physical sense, vulnerable, right? But what is that? It's interesting because like the idea that you know you you get something, but you have to give up something, and like I I guess the I don't know if the movie had done a good enough job of showing that Diana loved her powers or like loved that piece that piece of her, and that it really meant a lot to her to be able to do this. Whereas obviously she needs to be able to do this to save the world, but but. but but where is the part of her that that relishes and wants that? And I don't know if it really showed us that. Yeah, I know. That's true. I thought about that, too, when I was watching it. I was like, yeah, that, they don't really give you a clear, like, they've never shown her, like, loving being, you know, a superhero. Like, so why was that what she lost? Right? Like, it was weird. It was definitely weird. Um, I, I thought, again, from a tonal perspective, the movie had some weird jumps where, you know, like, the, the scene where... Um, when uh, Kristen Wiig gets accosted and then later beats the crap out of the guy, I'm like, whoa, this is getting a little uncomfortable as she starts beating up the guy. Like, the movie, for the most part, is fairly PG, except for, like, that scene felt a lot more aggressive. Yeah, I know. I was wondering, like, was she actually going to full-on kill him? And, like, the thing is, too, she was a, he was a friend of hers, right? Like, it was weird. It was a, or, no, sorry, I'm mixing her up with the guy that showed up as a friend. It was a, um, but, yeah, no, it was weird. Like, it was a really strange... It was the same creeper that, like, had cre- uh, creeped on her in that. Yeah, the park, and, like... Right? Totally, yeah. I, like, I, and I get the idea, and it made sense for the character's arc to show that guy again. But again, I guess just the way it was shot, and the, it kind of looked extra brutal. Whereas I think there's a comic booky way to do it, which could have been still like kind of hammy. And then there's the one that felt more real, and the more real one feels more uncomfortable. Uh, again, in a very, for the most part, very family friendly movie. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, it, it did feel out of place in the film, like in the t- like you say in the t- overall tone. For sure, it did. It was pretty dark, and uh, it's, it was, was Punisher esque. Yeah, you know, it was. It was because there was a lot of vengeance there. Yeah, for sure. She was really mad at that guy. She was pretty pissed. Um, I, I did think that she did a fairly good job with the the physicality of like when she's fighting Wonder Woman. Like obviously, there's stunt women too, but I thought for the shots where you're, you're pretty sure it's Kristen Wiig, like you know, she felt like you could see the. They did a good job showing the change that came over her, I guess, is my point. Like, they did a good job of kind of making her very mousy at the beginning and then showing her getting more comfortable with her strength. And I thought that Kristen Wiig did a good job of capturing that. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, her, like, overall her performance was, was one of the better performances for sure in the film. I also kind of like that her kind of weird kind of flirty relationship with Wonder Woman, like, you know, that she might be bi- bisexual and, like, but they never 
they never made it a point that you had to worry about. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they didn't make it a big focus. Instead, it was just kind of there. Like, she was kind of, like, wanting to be Diana, but also kind of, you know, maybe there's something else there, too. And I kind of like that that ambiguity that's just part of who she is without it being something that they had to kind of zero in on. Yeah, like, they, they didn't make it a huge issue or whatever. It was just, yeah, like you say, it was just in the background. But maybe it's a what-if, kind of. Yeah, and I... What do you think of Pedro Pascal as Maxwell Lord? Um, I think he, like his performance. Like, I don't think he's a bad actor, but and I, you know what's in the script exactly. It was kind of cartoony a little bit at times. Yeah, uh, it, it felt to me. To me, like that, that, that's the kind of feel I got from it. it wasn't like, uh, but like for the overall film, I guess it kind of fits the tone. It's fu- it was a weird movie. Like it was a tonal, yeah. tonally, it was a strange film. Like so, again, he didn't. I, I feel like even him wanting power at the end was more like first he just wanted like money. He just wanted to be super rich and and again it, I. I feel like I've, I've seen online people kind of talking about how the movie at times tonally felt like, you know, the Christopher Reeves Superman movies. And I feel like it just remind me that, you know, if you go back to the original Superman movie, what's the big thing that Lex Luthor wants? Land. <laughs> like, it's like it's kind of dumb. He's basically doing like a land grab so that he can have money. And that's that's really his, his mo- big modus operandi. And I feel like that is what we got from Maxwell Lord here is it's kind of cartoony. You know, all I want is money and power, and there's really nothing else to it, which is, again, why he feels like a, at the end, it feels like there's no real villain villain, because he was just, you know, a greedy guy, but he didn't even necessarily do anything that terrible to other people. He just was just led by greed. And then even some of the stuff that ended up happening, like, he didn't really want to hurt anyone. He just didn't want him to lose something. And it felt like he was so not malicious at all, but just so zeroed in on being greedy. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess that's sort of the metaphor, maybe as well. Like it's just been like greedy people that that shit like around them crumbles, kind of. I guess maybe that's part of it. Yeah. But, um, like it's sort of it's sort of a you know on the head kind of metaphor there. With it, um, but yeah, it was it was weird. Like it, you know, it was weird for sure. And, you know, again, we didn't have a lot of action beats, which, again, is kind of interesting for, you know, a big budget superhero movie where we didn't really get a lot of action, which I I did kind of appreciate from a change of pace, because I do want character to matter, and I don't necessarily need fights all the time. But then even the fights that we got, they always kind of felt like, you know, where is this going? Or what is the ultimate goal? Like even the, I'm going to call it the Raiders of the Lost Ark style kind of Indiana Jones fight in the desert, you know, uh, with the different cars. I didn't know really what the point of that was. Like it felt like we were almost spending too much time on it because it's not like they were looking at it, looking after a MacGuffin or trying to get something. They were just trying to find Maxwell Lord. It felt more straightforward. And so they spent a lot of time making it more complicated, I think, than it needed to be. Yeah, no, I hear you on that. It's a, yeah, like there was, a, it was a, it was a kind of a, like the action. There wasn't a lot of action. That was one of the complaints I read online. Was the, the, the lack of action. I mean, you don't have to necessarily do an action movie, but but how much did Diana really grow in it? Mm. That's the thing is, if you're going to do a character piece, that's cool. But like, what was her arc really? Like, was it that big an arc? I don't know. I guess I guess the real point of it was to set up the character so that she's not just pining over Steve anymore. Like, I guess that's really what the movie was, is being able to let go of something that you lost. Which is funny only because Wonder Woman 1 starts with her getting the picture back, you know, Bruce Wayne sends her the picture and uh, of, uh, of Steve and her remembering that and that being such a big connection. So it's interesting that now, you know, this movie is really all about forgetting and letting go of Steve. Yeah, that's true. That is kind of funny. It was a, um, going back to the Superman thing, uh, just quickly, it was a, um, apparently that was intentional. Okay. From the director. 
Yeah, I read that that uh, she took inspiration from um, uh, the Superman director for the for some of those beats. So that that being picked up, I, I think is um, it was intentional. So there you go. Okay. I mean, and like, I, I, I do, again, I, there's a lot to appreciate about the movie. I'm not trying to like rag on the movie. Like there's definitely a lot of good pieces in there. I just don't know if they ever really, you know, came together for a comprehensive, you know, viewing experience. Uh, and again, not one that necessarily, you know, kept my attention all the way through because it just felt like it was just took a long time to get there. And, you know, again, wasn't super, um, uh, engaging for me now one thing we have not really talked about and we don't have to spend a lot of time on it because i know people are talking about it online but again the whole kind of body swap kind of idea is that you have diana make a wish that steve will come back and you know because i don't know why this is how they had to do it because her wish is so outside the ordinary like most people's wishes you know, there was a way for it to happen that was just kind of using what was around in the world and just kind of changing probability so it happened for those people, right? For the most part. Um, but for Diana, in order to get Steve back, he possesses someone else's body. That just felt super weird to me. Yeah, it was a um, I, I To be honest, with the, like, I think the movie, like, overall, like you said, it was just, uh, you know, as a viewing experience, there's good ideas in there, but those ideas didn't really come to fruition in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. But this is where the movie turns to, from, like, meh to this is bad, in my opinion. Because, mm. yeah, the whole bringing Steve back in another body was, like, that's funny because you, you brought this up to me earlier, like, before the podcast, but, and I didn't really have, have thought about it. But, yeah, it brings up a lot of, like, issues of, like, what's going on here? Why, you know, consent issues and stuff, which is really interesting. And what, what was the purpose of doing it? Yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't think anything is really, you know, gained from doing it this way. Like, I think they get a bit of humor out of it, that they go to this guy's apartment, that they they can kind of joke about it. But, like, then they kind of just hand wave it away. And then even when Diana is having to, like, make her tearful decision to let Steve go, there's no consideration for the fact that he took over someone else's life. Like, that person is just gone right now. Well, and that's the thing, right? Like, the, like it, it creates more problems... Than it, than it solves, right? Like, the only thing that, like, it really does is give that reveal at the party because yeah. she doesn't know that it's actually him. But, like, you could have done a million other things, right? And just still have Steve there. For sure. Just and again, you're dealing with magic. Back. There's dealing with magic and there's no, like, if you're the filmmaker, you get to set the boundaries of your magic. So, why, like, why, why is this the one thing that magic can't do? Just bring someone whole cloth back to life. It can apparently move land up and down and do crazy things and then make, you know, nukes suddenly appear. So why, why not just give him a new body? Why not just have him show up and, like, I just, yeah, the body swap part felt so weird to me, felt out of place, and just felt like it added, added questions that didn't need to be there and I, I understand the idea that you know we don't need to nitpick everything in a movie but if you're going to introduce something like that then you got to do something with it and I just felt like there was no real purpose to it yeah for sure well it was a, I saw a tweet online that was a, and they were like yeah so let me get this straight in the DC universe now the Batman kills people Superman doesn't give a shit and like loses collateral damage all over uh, the place and Wonder Woman rapes people <laughs> right, so like, what what the hell are they doing, right? Because it does bring up like, is it rape, right? Yeah. Well, it's weirder too That's because like, issue. obviously, us as the audience, and because the uh, Wonder Woman's like saying, "Oh, I only see you," and then therefore, as the audience, right. that's what we see as well. But like, she's having sex with a guy who's not Steve. <laughs> like, like she can see yeah, him. Sure. Like, 
She's choosing to, like, uh, you know, again, in a very kind of romantic way, only see him. But in a very practical way, he's not there. Well, that's the thing is, like, what, 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 what I wonder is, like, how did nobody in the, like, along this whole production of this film, did no one, like, bring that up? Or if they did bring it up, which maybe they did, like, nobody saw a problem with it? Like, it's kind of weird, right? Like, this thing goes through lots of hands and no one thought about that. I yeah well and I guess and and again it's or or they thought it was okay enough to let it go up and let it out yeah and like right? as it is a weird kind of double standard that if that had been a female character rightly so everyone would have been like whoa whoa that's not okay yeah uh, like I wonder there is some outrage online with the, and I mean like the whole outrage thing with the uh, you know it can be over the top but in this case I think it's legitimate outrage it's just that it hasn't really reached like a crazy level. Partly maybe because not everybody's seen the movie as quickly because it's, you know, at-home rental and 30 bucks a pop. Well, well, not in the States, right? In the States, it's a lot easier, actually. True, with the HBO. But um, there is some rumblings online, for sure. There's a few articles about it now. And, yeah, like, did Wonder Woman just rape someone? I I would say yes. Like, it's kind of fucked up. And the thing is, too, like, you said, like, where's his consciousness? Is he aware of anything? Is he completely gone? Like, I assume from the ending that he had no... Like awareness of what was going on, because he doesn't recognize her in any way, right? Like, no, no, he doesn't. Yeah. So, but yeah, it, it opens up this whole box of questions that totally doesn't need to be there by just bringing Steve back as himself. Yeah. Like, it's completely useless. Like when they when they had like, that when they had that happen that kind of reveal, I definitely rolled my eyes a little bit, and like I, and I had wondered like how exactly are they going to bring him back to life? And I felt like. Doing it through the wish is kind of like cheesy, but like you know what? Fine. That's if that's the movie they want to tell and they want to you know deal with. If they're going to deal with a, a magic stone, sure, let's have magic. But then, yeah, going that direction, I was like, why? <laughs> why is this yeah, happening? Like it totally. There's no reason for it to be there. Like other than that, like reveal, which was like okay, yeah, it's okay, but it's like like was it that important? No, you could have done it a million other ways. Yeah. So it's just yeah, it's stupid. And even like with the. Um, he, he was trying on all the different outfits at those dudes' house. You could have easily gone to the mall and done the same thing. Like, the thing is, like, like Steve and Diana's roles have reversed in this film, right? Cause yeah. In the first one, she's the fish out of water, and now he's the fish out of water. So it's almost the same story in that, from that angle, right? Like, so they, but they could have done exactly the same thing. They just could have gone to the mall, and he could have just picked out whatever room and kept going, right? For but sure. Yeah, it's, it just... It, the whole thing just opens up this whole box of, you know, it's like a Pandora's box of what the fuck. It opens all these questions. It's like, did she rape somebody? You know, why did she do it? And then the other thing that bothered me was at the end, um, like I, I read that apparently it was a different ending because I was wondering about that because it was set in the Christmas time like mm, setting. Yeah. And, and the film wasn't originally supposed to come out in Christmas, right? So I was like, did they reshoot this or like, you know, what the hell? And apparently they did. And then I was reading that originally she was supposed to like kind of like kick it off with this dude like it was more obvious right so that's a little weird too that's even more weird I think right like yeah ultimately in the end so like here they kind of imply there might be something there but it's not as obvious but apparently in the original ending it was more obvious which is even stranger if that's the, the truth like I don't know if it's 100% confirmed but yeah, like I, I don't even I don't even get why like why why that would be a decision like that doesn't that that just seems creepy <laughs> I don't understand how that's romantic in any way. That's just like a creepy, like, I don't know. But again, like, you got to ask the writers. If, if it was only two of them on there, like, 
some explaining to do. Yeah. Like, I guess, like, because what does that even say about Diana? Like, you know, like, I, you you look like, you know, you look enough like this guy I was with? Like, how do you... Right, it, for sure. It, it's creepy. There's no way of going around it. It's just creepy. And it's interesting, too, yeah. that, um, you know, because I, I, I guess at the end they mentioned that, you know, there was a, an unidentified person in the White House with, like, this unidentified woman, because otherwise, yeah, like, this guy just broke, like, a lot of laws and, like... You know, if there's any, you know, video camera ever anywhere, which I guess they're conveniently in the 80s, there's not as much technology, I guess, to surveil this guy. But otherwise, his life would be over. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I guess, like, how much... And then that, that's the question, too. Like, how much of the things were, like, reversed in the end? Like, you know what I mean? That was another thing that I thought was a little weird. Like, you know, because you see the wall go down, and, and right? And then, like, all those things, like, the nukes are disappearing. And so, what, like, was there a bit of a rewind, or was it just, like... Everything just disappeared. I don't know. There's, yeah, there's definitely some questions. There's, yeah, exactly, right? It's magic. So it's like, there's definitely some questions. Like, it's interesting, too, that at the end, you know, all across the world, everyone kind of just basically just sees, what, the glowing of the lasso, but not Diana, which, again, makes sense because they can't know who she is. Right, yeah, exactly, yeah. That, that was a little weird, too, yeah, but right. It was strange. But, yeah, they can't see her because... Like, like I felt, yeah. Like with with how big and how crazy things ended up going here, it did make it did remind me of um, which one was it? I guess X Men: Days of Future Past, where you have like Magneto lifting up like a stadium over like the White House, and I'm like, yeah. how did this never come up? Yeah, I know that's true. Yeah, an RFK stadium, which was a piece of shit at the end anyway. So yeah, but you, I, I was like, happy to see it go. Like once you mess with like when, when you're playing in the the past of your own continuity, and now that that being said, the X Men movies were terrible for this anyway. But I mean, you yeah. know, the DCEU, you know, it's not that difficult to you know just keep things in a way that you can use the character, but maybe it doesn't have to be a you know a giant universal threat that you know people would might wonder what's going on. Yeah, you can keep it more self-contained for sure. But um, yeah, I mean, it's tough. It's a, I mean, like uh, some of the Marvel stuff does, like fall, you know, like the Shield thing. The um, yeah. in Iron Man one, you know, like he doesn't call it Shield, and then she's like, uh, what was it, Pepper Potts is like, oh, you need to come up with an acronym for that, and then it's like they they just came up with it. Meanwhile, Shield has existed for how long, right? True. Yeah. So there are. I mean, that's a smaller one, but it and Marvel's done a pretty good job of keeping it all in contact but um, but yeah this one's a little bit tougher like it's tougher to wipe away in a way but does DCU even exist anymore like who knows like Batman yeah that's the thing right like I know we're getting like a recut of Justice League but like what are the future plans of like those characters Uh, Flash still getting his own yeah we're supposed to get the Flash movie that has both Batman in it Right, I know they're bringing out. They're, they're talking about opening up the multiverse for them as well, right? Which yeah, is interesting. But. You got you got Michael Keaton and you got Ben Affleck. So I mean, you got two Batman in in that, and then, I don't know. Like, I don't know where they're going with their universe, but you know, there's some stuff that's interesting and out there. Like, there's the new Suicide Squad movie, which is confirmed to be rated R. Uh, which you know, James Gunn has a you know pedigree of taking misfits and making them enjoyable. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm looking forward to that. It was a, and mainly because of Gunn, right? So, yeah, let's see how that works out. It'll be interesting. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I believe we're definitely getting a Wonder Woman three. I think they're working on it, and I'm interested to see if they're going to, you know, do it in the past still, or if it's going to be kind of after Justice League. It's interesting because you know, after Justice League, we had to, we didn't get a lot. We got Aquaman, um, but you know, we haven't seen a lot. Yeah, I know, it's true. I and mean, like Aquaman did fairly well, Wonder Woman did fairly well. The first one, 
I don't know, like, what this one's going to do. I mean, it's a totally different situation, right? So, but um, I, I think did, the majority consensus on it is meh. Yeah, I did feel like the action was better in the first movie. Like, the action sequences that we got, they felt more visceral. They felt like more, like, you know, they got more of a sense of wonder and power. And I feel like the action sequences that we got here did not quite feel that way. Like, even the um, the opening, well, not the opening sequence, but um, the sequence with the mall felt a little bit, like, extra cheesy, um, but just because some of the choreography. And I feel like they, they haven't really figured out what they want that lasso to really do, and I feel like it never really feels like it has a sense of weight to it. Like, I feel like it just kind of does anything it wants and feels very light, and it doesn't feel like it's grounded in any any kind of physics or if there's any internal rules. Whereas I feel like in the Marvel movies, you know, they've done some crazy stuff with physics, like with, you know, Captain America's shield, but it always kind of feels yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, it felt more natural. It was funny when um, Spidey in uh, Civil War steals the, steals the shield and says, like, man, that thing does not work on physics. <laughs> like, it's a, like <laughs> Or it doesn't doesn't obey the rules of physics, right? Which was funny because it's true. It's like in the real world, it wouldn't work. But yeah, I get what you're saying. The shield did feel more natural and normal, and I, I did notice that too with the lasso. Like, how does it unwind itself? Yeah, some things, right? It's wound up tight enough for her to be able to swing on it and do things, and then like it just sort of unwinds itself in midair, and she's able to throw it again. Like, yeah, there is no rule to it. It's magic. <laughs> Which, I mean, yeah, I, magic, you don't have to explain it. There, there, a long time ago, I think in the mid-2000s, there was a, a joke at Marvel uh, that was ascribed to the editor-in-chief, and he was like, oh, it's magic, you don't have to explain it. And I feel like that's part of how this movie operated, that, oh, it's magic, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, is like, I don't know, it's, it's tough to say, right? Because, like, like, you know, not everything needs an explanation, and some films, uh, even Star Wars, I feel like, sometimes over-explain stuff, like... Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That like it's like it feels like every piece of the Star Wars you know universe now has to be explored. Like, did we really need a Han Solo story? Like, I think part of the the things that it's appealing about that character is the fact that he has no backstory. We don't really know. Yeah. You know, like was he a good guy? Was he a bad guy? So it's like these things. Like, yeah, sometimes we have over explanation, but then sometimes it's like some internal logic is required for you to suspend disbelief, right? For sure. So here's uh, I guess the question of the day is uh, how many wishes do you give this out of five? out of five um yeah it's tough man I, I do want to see it one more time just to see how i feel about the pacing again but um i guess first impression i'd give it like a two and a half okay yeah i yeah. think i i think i'd probably do about the same like i guess i the thing i want to accentuate is that it's not a bad movie um like it's not so cringe inducing or that i would ever never want to watch it again it wasn't so like so boring that i would never watch it again it's just it's just not a great movie. It's not a Rise of Skywalker, which was a giant pile of crap. I mean, like, I, I'm just thinking even just DC movies. Like, you know, I part of me wants to go back someday and watch, like, the ultimate edition of, of BVS, even though I didn't really like the movie to begin with, just being like, well, maybe maybe I need to see it again. You know, maybe I need to give it another shot. But then I think about it, and I'm like, I don't know if I want to. And whereas this one, like, I probably would be more likely to watch it again because it wasn't so frustrating. It just was a weird movie, as we said. It wasn't, like, a bad movie. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, like, BVS, like, I don't think I've seen it again since we watched it the first time. Uh, like but yeah, I don't see a need for to watch it again. Maybe I would watch the Ultimate Cup. Maybe we could do that one time. Yeah. See if uh, we feel, feel any different. I mean, I feel, like, 
I feel like we have to talk about the Snyder Cut when it comes out, although, honest to God, part of me hopes it's awful because I'm tired of hearing the very vocal internet you know, minority who's been pushing for this Snyder Cut bullshit. Well, I mean, it's impressive in a way that it's happened, right? But I don't know if it's impressive in the right way. Like, I mean... You know, last year when everyone freaked out about Sonic the Hedgehog looking terrible, so they went back to the drawing board, they heard the feedback, and they made a better movie? That's good. I'm glad that that happened. That was a good experiment. I don't want every movie happen- having that happen to it where you have a lot of people you know, outcry and so they go back and fix it because sometimes the outcry is justified. Sometimes it's just people having those you know, gut reactions instead of just waiting and watching the movie. Um, with the Snyder Cut... I feel like with the amount of money they're spending on, you know, shooting new stuff, etc., it's not what the movie would have been anyway. The guy has had years to think about it. Uh, he's had the reaction to the, you know, the the one that was that was released in 2017. To call it the true Snyder Cut, I feel like doesn't exist. The real Snyder Cut would have been to just take what existed and say this is what we had. Not we're going to do all this extra work on it. Now it's something new, given the benefit of hindsight. So I feel like if it even if it is good. I don't think it's fair to say it's actually better than the other Justice League we got because it's not apples to apples. No, absolutely, yeah. It's a, di- it's a different situation for sure. Like it's, it would, yeah, it would never be the cut that would have came out then because, yeah, like you say, they're shooting all this new stuff. There's all this feedback in the meanwhile. Um, I, I would say, like, I don't know if you know, Godfather Three got a recut recently. That's right. And yes. Just, just yeah. So that, that's more of a, a traditional recut, right? Because he didn't shoot additional footage. He just played around with scenes, moved them around. You know, I mean, some, some of that also, though, comes from hindsight, right? Oh, for sure. Like, like you know, and, um, and plus uh, response to the film and stuff. So, yeah, like any recut of a movie is always a little, you know, it's, it's different, right? Like even George Lucas. Like, I mean, look at how many times he fucked around with Star Wars through the original trilogy, right? True. And even the newer trilogy, like when it came out on DVD, the pod racing was extended, right? Things were, some things were changed, right? So, yeah, directors constantly tinkering with stuff can be can be good can be bad I don't know like it's it's always a, like my whole thing is if you want to do that I don't care just release all the cuts yeah right so people can you know like Blade Runner is a great example you know the final cut is probably the best cut of the movie in my opinion right but um, but I like that the fact that the other cuts are you know are in existence uh, in existence and available easily to get right like so people can choose what is their favorite right yeah, I do appreciate that, the the benefit of choice. If you're going to give these multiple kind of cuts with different, especially with Blade Runner, I mean, that one has, you know, very significant changes. Yeah, and like, for, like I said, for the most part, I think the final cut, you know, was the, was the best cut. So, so it's, it's, it's the, the thing about, too, like messing around too much versus like, like in this case, I think with the, with the Justice League, is it's like, it is a totally different movie in a lot of ways. Because there will be so much of additional stuff and, and everything else, right? So yeah, it's well, never going to be you know, like it's a quite a different movie probably in the end. For sure, one thing that Paul has mentioned um, numerous times, whenever like he's really against the whole Snyder Cut BS, but he uh, he said that he's hoping. He's very curious if his favorite part of the movie uh, was Joss Whedon or not, which is which I think is a lot of people's favorite part of the movie, which is when uh, the Flash is moving so fast against Superman and Superman turns. And Flash is like, oh shit! Yeah, no, that was a good shot. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, will it be in there because it's not Snyder? 
Yeah, I mean, like, if because he said, like, everything that's there is going to be Snyder's and none of it's going to be Whedon's. So I guess we're going to find out, you know, well, maybe not quickly because it's like, you know, who knows how how many, you know, hours into this, you know, monstrous cut it is. But it'd be interesting to see if that's something that came from Whedon or not. And I feel like it's a Whedon thing. Yeah, I know, I know, yeah. We'll never really truly know, I guess, right? But uh, it is interesting. Because that's... Well, like, it will be, like, I, I'm actually interested to see it, just out of curiosity of, like, Will this cut be like a significant improvement over the original? I, cu- I kind of feel like I want to have you know two screens going so I can like kind of watch them you know side by side to see like this is where this cut changes and this is where this one you know because I'm curious how much of it is maybe he took different cu- different cuts of different scenes and how much of it is wholesale different or not and how much of it is then the reshoots like I'm very curious I'd love to get a full breakdown. And I'm sure someone will put this together. So I feel, you know, there's enough crazy people out there. I was about to say, some YouTuber will will do it for you. (laughs) Which I am actually interested to to watch something like that, because I would be curious to see, because this is such a, this is, you know, you mentioned, you know, Final Cut with Blade Runner. Like, this is, nothing has ever happened on this scale before. Yeah, possibly. I'm curious what, like, the most altered recut film would be. Probably this. Yeah, you're right. Like, I can't think of anything that had, like, an extensive, extensive change. No, not like, I mean. mean, Wonder Woman, is interesting, right? Because the ending, it, like, it's totally plausible to me that it was changed. Like, it, yeah. was, it didn't feel like Christmas throughout the whole film, right? Like, it was only the, at the very end. That's true. Yeah, there, like, because so, the, like, the especially because they're in Washington, so they it would start to look like Christmas. Yeah, you'd think, right? It's further far enough north that it was, a, and they're wearing sort of like not winter clothes at all throughout the most of it, right? So, like, yeah. how much time passed between the ending of that? But I get why they did it because it came out of Christmas, right? So I, mm-hmm. I get it. Uh, but, another uh, thing with, with this with the Superman connection is that Superman two did get a recut version, like what twenty years later, like you got the Richard Donner cut. Um, right. Yeah. Exactly. But again, uh, yeah, I, I still think Justice League is going to take the cake as the most you know realtered film ever. Yeah, possibly even more than Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> which is which is saying something. Yeah. No, it's, it, it is impressive. I guess like for the most part, like Star Wars has like a million. Are okay. A Star Wars has like a million little cuts. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot more small things that are changed. For the most part, the small stuff is okay. It's when he did go too far with it, it was when it upset people, right? Yeah. Like adding that whole music sequence in Jedi, right? And, oh yeah. yeah. It's funny because he he, yeah, like, he added a music sequence and took one away. Right, yeah, everybody remembers the original one. Yeah, the puppet didn't quite work and whatever, but, you know, it was good enough. So, well, T-Word, thank you so much for uh, taking part in a, in a conversation about Wonder Woman. Uh, it's nice to actually talk about a, a, a movie with someone. Uh, we are hoping yeah. to do more episodes. We're going to talk about WandaVision when that happens, uh, which is really only yeah, two weeks away. Two weeks away, I'm really excited. To, it looks like one of the most bananas things that uh, Marvel's ever tried, so we'll see. Yeah, I'm really curious how that's going to work out. It'll be fun. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. All right, take it easy. Yeah, good talking to you. As a quick postscript, just wanted to mention, if you want to email us, you can do so at comicshenetigans at gmail.com. Like the show, uh, sorry, rate the show on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also listen to us on Stitcher. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.